Hey fam, welcome back to the Main Pursuit Podcast. I am so excited once again to welcome a guest. And today it is Mondo De La Vega from the Mondo Show. Thank you, Mondo, for coming on today. Thank you so much, Jacob, for uh, inviting me. I'm honored that you invited me and uh, we have a mutual friend that made this happen. And um, I want to thank you and congratulations on your new podcast. Thank you. Thank you. As, as we kind of get started here, for those that don't know you, would you mind telling a little bit about yourself and your story? Absolutely. I will interview for the job. <laughs> it's always awkward when someone tells you, tell me your story. Uh, listen, my story is uh, like every other story in, from a kid from East LA. I was born and kind of raised in Central America. And then my mother was born in Los Angeles. And so I we came back to the United States and I grew up in East LA. East LA, California was known for gang violence and, and drugs and, and just crime. And, you know, so every kid in East LA at that time only had one option. And that option was to join the gangs. So my life took off at an early age to be a part of a family that I didn't understand. I came from a family unit in Central America. My parents got divorced. I didn't know what happened. I didn't, I was always looking what happened. What, what happened to my dad? What, why aren't we living in, in our home? Why are we leaving the place that I love? And now all of a sudden I found myself in East LA, California, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, not knowing where anybody was because all I knew was Central America and the family unit. And all of a sudden, in a matter of 24 hours, everything was gone. And I found myself in East LA and I learned to survive. That was the early part of when I was seven, eight years old, I learned to survive, learned to survive emotionally, learned to survive physically, learned to survive around the culture. And at an early age, I became part of one of the largest gangs in LA County. And I began to do things that I wasn't expecting to do. I was, you know, dealing drugs. I was, but my ultimate goal was to be uh, one of the leaders of the gang. My inspiration at that time were not police officers, were not doctors, there were crime lords. When the movie Scarface came out, that, that, was, uh, that was it, man. That was my hero. We looked up to guys like Snoop Doggy Dog, Easy e NWA, Ice-T, you know what I mean? Those guys that were speaking where we were living at, and they were yeah. the voice of the community. So those people were my heroes, the hustlers, the gangsters, the drug dealers. And that became an inspiration to me because there was a lack of fatherhood and all of a sudden, in a matter of 24 hours, my life changed and I had to learn how to survive. So the gangster lifestyle became who I was at that time. My mother was working four jobs plus going to school to learn the language. Uh, so all of a sudden we were left alone at home and I got a little bit curious about who the guys were that were living down uh, the hallway in the apartment building. And that even was a shock because I came from a home. All of a sudden, now I'm, I'm inside of an apartment building with a bunch of people I don't even know, a whole different culture. And that intrigued me to the point where my curiosity got the best of me and I never looked back. 
And so my whole life became searching for that emptiness that, you know, my father left me when everything fell apart. And I thought that that was normal. I thought living without a father was normal. I thought the culture that I was around was normal. And most of us that grew up in that lifestyle don't see it any other way because it's just part of life. And all of a sudden, I began to, you know, go up the ranks in the gang and to the point where I began to earn my stripes and begin to earn my position in the gang at an early age. I never got hooked on drugs. Uh, that was not my thing. I never became a drug addict. That was not my thing. I didn't want drugs to control who I was. Um, what I was looking for was to be recognized. I was looking for, you know, for someone to notice me and working hard in the gangs. That got me attention fighting. I learned how to fight early on. I became a good fighter to get my name out there, became a, a, a hustler, a good businessman. And that's how I got my name. Recruiting young men and women for the gang was my job. And uh, I did it good, I guess, because it got me to the point where I, where I wanted to be. And that was to lead a, uh, one of the cliques for my gang. In LA, the gangs are made out of cliques, especially if you have a large gang, you have different regions of LA County and my region was the downtown area with other guys as well. But again, that became who I was. That was my identity, looking to be recognized, look to be accepted and, and to be noticed. And I would do whatever it takes to get that uh, recognition. And all of a sudden, I became somebody that I didn't even recognize anymore. My family didn't recognize me anymore. Uh, I got in trouble um, with the law. I got in trouble with of course, you know, when you're in the gangster lifestyle, you make a lot of enemies. So I learned to survive. And I'm telling you, that's the, that's the key to survive in the streets is learn how to survive with the things that you have available for you. And, but I knew my life was next. Uh, I was watching my friends. We call them homeboys. I watched my homeboys, my homegirls dying. I watched them go to prison, spending life in prison. So I knew my number was next. I knew that I was next because uh, too much was happening. Uh, too many bad deals were going wrong. And all of a sudden I knew, but you know what? I was expecting it. I, I, the gang told me, the OGs told me, don't make any plans after 18 years. You're, only, you're not gonna get past 18 years. So don't make any plans. You're either gonna die or you're gonna end up in prison the rest of your life. So don't think about life after 18 because there is none. And for us, we have a short period of time. So I was trying to do everything I could in a short period of time because I knew that I was going to either die at 18 or I was going to spend the rest of my life in prison, just like everyone was doing. Um, my homeboys were having kids with girls. And I said, you know what? I don't want to do that. I'm going to protect myself as much as I can because I don't never want to be a father. I don't never want to be married. I don't want kids. I don't want to, I just don't want that in my life. So I, all the plans that were to be, uh, everything that was normal to society, I, I went the opposite way because I just, I just didn't feel good enough to be a father or, you know, to be someone's husband or, or boyfriend. I didn't stay long enough to 
be called a boyfriend. You know what I mean? I was yeah. always hustling, moving around and, and whatnot. But that's my short version, man. It's just the streets became my life. My heroes were either, you know, gang lords, hustlers, pimps, uh, gangsters, the OGs, you know, people like rappers like NWA, Ice-T, like I mentioned. Those were the guys that we look up to because they were telling our story. And those people were our heroes. And when you have nothing to look up to, when you have no purpose, you have to do with whatever you have to do to survive. And, you know, all of a sudden, I gain a lot of respect. And I, like I said, I made a lot of enemies, but I also made a, I had a lot of respect in the gang community to the point where I thought it, I, I, I thought I was invincible at one moment. And, and then life you know, chin checked me, as they say, a checkpoint came in. And all of a sudden, I found myself with several guns to my head, several guns to my chest. And that's when reality hit. And when I realized my own homeboys lied to me. And that betrayal became one of the most devastating things next to losing my father at an early age, not having him in my life. And when I, that betrayal, I, I knew time was up. I knew I needed to do something, but I didn't know where that help was going to come from. All of a sudden, a young girl walks into my neighborhood and tells me three of the most powerful statements that I've ever heard at that time. What if God is real? What if prayer works? And what if you have a different destiny? Those three statements changed my life to make me think, well, what if God is real? What if I have a chance to ask him a few questions? What if I can speak to him? I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in prayer. I didn't believe I had a different destiny. Like I said earlier, I thought my destiny was to die by the age of 18 because that's what I was being told. I thought my destiny was to survive in the streets, recruit kids for the gang, mobilize things to be able to prosper in the gang and, and build the gang to become the number one gang in the world. And at one point, we all did it. We, we, we succeeded and achieved what we were going after, but there was a high price to pay. And that high price came with a betrayal that opened the door to make me realize what if God is real? What if prayer does work? And the big one for me was, what if I do have a different destiny? What am I going to do? So those three statements changed my life forever. And the reason why I'm sitting here talking to you today is because I am the living example of those three statements when you take a chance and realize that maybe God is real because you can't just walk away from the gangs just to walk away. They don't do that. We don't do that. They, they, I've seen people get killed. I've seen people get ridiculed. But I also saw people that were able to walk away because they kept their word. And if you keep your word and, 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 and you're real about it, they're going to give you respect back. But it took a lot of trials and tribulations to prove that me walking away was a real act and, and not a pretend act. And again, at the end of the day, someone was willing to walk into my world and risk it all. My sister, risked, she risked it all to walk into my world, knowing that she could have been shot, she could have been killed, she could have been kidnapped by somebody, but she was willing to risk it all to walk into my world and remind me that not to preach to me, not to give me a sermon, not to lay hands on me. No, just simple words, a conversation. What if God is real, man? What are you going to do? 
And then what if prayer works? And then what if you have a different destiny? What if you have something different to live for? What if you have a different purpose in your life? And those three things changed my life forever to the point where I believed it and I followed through on it. And that's the reason why I'm alive today. That's the reason why I'm a husband today. That's the reason why I'm a father of twins today. And the reason why I can serve God freely. And I've been serving God for over two decades now and haven't looked back ever since. It's such a blessing hearing your story because I know so many people that do come up, come from a place of brokenness and of dysfunction. And I thank you that, that you're able to share that openly and that you are in this place of healing. You've been in ministry 20 years or over 20 years now. You mentioned a couple of times in there, you know, losing your father was devastating. Um, and you actually said that at one point you thought it was just normal. You thought yes. it was normal to be there. When was that realization that it was not normal? Was it when your sister walked in and spoke those three different phrases? No, you know, I think that's been a, that's been a process in life. And the older you get, the more you begin to process the trajectory that your life has gone through and the process of the different events that sometimes change your life. But you have to go back to the beginning of when my father walked away. My father was my hero, man. My father was everything to me. And there was nights I can still remember because I still have those dreams. And I think it's a process for people to understand. I don't think you ever arrive to a healing place. I think it's a process. But there's times where I dream and I'm crying, deep cried inside, crying for my father. And there was that emptiness inside of me that I always cried for my father. I needed my father. I needed my friend. I needed the guy I looked up to. And when that was taken away from me, it was like a piece of me never got put back in. And I never realized how big of an importance part that was until I became a father. And when my sister, listen, I hated my father. That I, I grew up with so much hate. I wasn't afraid of dying. I was provoking my enemies to kill me. I was giving people a reason to end my life so they can end the pain. I don't know if people ever been there where, where you push the limit, you push to the end in order to have an excuse to say, I told you so, you know, and I don't know where people got the idea where you have to become whole and perfect. No, it's a process. It's a, it's a process that takes you a long time to heal from until you realize who you have become. And when I realized the deep pain that not having my father caused me was probably, I want to say about 10 years ago when my kids uh, were born and I realized, how am I going to father them when I don't even have an example to, of what a father looks like? How am I going to speak to them? How am I going to communicate with them? How am I going to lead them? How am I going to teach them when I never been taught to be a father? And that's when I realized, that's when I realized that that, that was not normal, that everything that I'd gone through all my life was not normal. Being alone at seven years old in East LA was not normal. Not having a father mentor me in my teens, that's not normal. Have, not having a father in my 20s to guide me in my 20s, that was not normal. Not having my father next to me 
when I'm marrying my wife, that, that's not normal. And so I begin to go back and realize all the events. And I realize how did I end up where I ended up at 10 years old? How, how did I end up in jail? How did I end up here? Where's my dad? I was looking for my dad and asking myself, if my dad could have only been here, maybe things would be different. I don't know. That, that answer, I may never get it. But at the same time, I knew that it was not normal not having a functional family and a father figure in my life. Now, you can have a father in your life and a, fa and a family and still be dysfunctional because if fathers don't know how to communicate and relate to their kids, then you're still in the same area that I am in survival mode. And all of a sudden, you realize everything that I've gone through is not normal. I'm, listen, Jacob, I'm not supposed to be here sitting down talking to you. It's a miracle that I'm sitting here because the world said lock them up, throw the key away. The streets, they kill you before you can even take your next breath. The society doesn't like you because the way you look, the way you walk, the way you carry yourself in the street. So everyone is against you. So the drive that you have to have in order to make it each and every single day has to come from somewhere. And that somewhere is a survival mode. And that survival mode, you know, you grow up dysfunctional emotionally, physically, spiritually, in every way possible until you realize, oh, my God, everything I've been going through is not normal. You know, and then by the time you realize that you might be 40 years old, you might be 30 years old, you might be successful, already have a, a great successful job. And then you realize you're dysfunctional. You know, you may be in, in leadership and you realize, oh, my God, I'm dysfunctional. And if people find out who I really am, I wonder if they still consider me their best friend. If people ever find out that you're that dysfunctional, will they still consider you their leader? their father, their mother, their sister. So again, I think it's a process. And when I found out that it wasn't normal, that's when life hit me again and realized I better do something about it. That's when I surrounded myself with mentors. And I tell people all the time, if you want to succeed in life, whether it be spiritually, physically, emotionally, you got to get around people that will mentor you to help you through the process of the stages of your life that you're going to face. So I began to hang around with counselors. I began to hang around with businessmen. I began to hang around with preachers. I began to hang around with entrepreneurs. I began to hang around with community leaders. I began to hang around with people that were more successful than I was. And I began to ask questions and I became a sponge of gravitating. And I didn't stick just to one side. I asked questions on both sides. And that's what has helped me shape where I am today is asking questions and, and getting around, around, the, around the right people and having mentors to help me through the process to understand that what I've gone through was not normal. <laughs> so has, I guess my question is, so has really having those mentors, is that, was that part of the journey into where you are into a life of faithful service to the Lord? Absolutely, 100%. I, no one can make it on their own. I don't know anybody. And listen, I've met some of the most successful people that you will ever want to meet. I, I'm not going to drop names, but I'm telling you, I've been around the people that have made or culture where they are today. And those people had mentors and those people had people advising them. 
And so for me, the most important part of my life has been having the mentors, people like uh, Gary Smalley, one of the greatest counselors in the world, people like Jim Baker and people, you know, when you relate, people think of Jim Baker, they think of the 80s televangelist, but I got to meet Jim Baker, the man behind the news headlines, a man that saved my life and a man that became like a father to me a man that advised me not to do certain things because he had gone through some troubles in his life. All of a sudden, he was teaching me about the things that I was going to be facing in ministry and what not to do. Don't repeat the things that he did in the past. So having mentors like that, R.T. Kendall, Rick Joyner, Reggie White, I mean, I can go on and on and name the people that have helped me understand how to become a man, the process of life, uh, uh, friends like Kevin Jessup, people like uh, Mimi Lennon, my mother, uh, my sisters, uh, uh, again, Lori Baker, people like that, that poured into my life day in and day out and never gave up on me. The key is this, they saw something in me that I couldn't see for myself and they helped me find it and then helped me develop it. We all have gifts. But the key is be around people that can help you develop your gift so you don't die with the gift inside of you and you die frustrated. Most people live their lives frustrated because they can't find what they're called to do. And they search through life. They go through relationships. They go through colleges trying to find who they are and what they're called to do and what they can do to serve this world with the gifts that they've been given and never find it. And that's because I believe this is just my personal opinion. I believe is because they never get around the right mentors that can position them and catapult them forward to find their purpose. And for me, the biggest thing is this for people. If you can ever find your purpose, you will change the world. People like my mentors, they help me find my voice. They help me find who I was called to be, and they helped me find the gift. And once I did that, I tapped into those gifts, and then I began to develop them. You know, and it took, it's taking years and years and years to develop you emotionally, develop you physically, develop you spiritually, develop you uh, financially. So you have different mentors for different parts of your life, and that's been the saving grace for me because they were people that would tell me, don't go left. That's not for you. Don't go left. If you go left, you're going to find yourself back at the beginning. Stay in the middle. You know, don't read that book. Read this book. Don't watch this. Watch that. Don't date that person. That person doesn't have good intentions for you. Don't date right now. Stay away from dating. Focus on you. You got all those little things like that shape where I am today, where I'm still, you know, being mentored. I'm still developing. I'm still working on myself. And that's the great part about the journey is that you can continue to work on yourself and never think that you arrived. I think we really discount, I think we short ourselves with the idea of how much mentorship plays in our culture and how much it actually needs to be a priority for leaders, up and coming leaders in the church. I've been blessed with some awesome mentors in my life, parents and pastors that continue to pour in. But I also think we forget that mentors, sometimes there's mentors for certain seasons that we go through as well. You know, maybe we have a mentor that's there while we're growing up in our kid years, or maybe there's one when you're coming in, like you mentioned, Jim Baker has been there really 
your whole time. And you mentioned some of these people that just continue to build into you for someone that I guess is not sure of how to choose mentors. What's maybe just, I know it's like so tough to pick one thing. What's maybe a simple thing of like how to look for a mentor in order to walk with you? I tell you how, if you're a baseball player, don't hang around coaches that are teaching football get around people that are teaching you baseball get around people that teach all the the physics and the history of baseball then you can become a great baseball player what i'm trying to tell you is find what you're good at and get around people that are good at what you're good at people that have been have already succeeded in that area so for example if you want if you love and you know you're gifted in podcasting, get around other people that have been podcasting for a decade and hang around with them. Ask them the question, hey, when you do this, how do you get that? Hey, when you do this podcast, that uh, everything that has to do with podcasting, get around that. Therefore, they're going to begin to mentor you and shape you and advise you. Hey, don't buy this equipment, buy this other equipment. Hey, don't put your podcast on this, you know, don't do it on this day, do it on this other day. Be consistent about it, be disciplined about it. And they're going to begin to teach you the steps of what it makes, what makes a good podcaster successful. You know, most people never find their gifts and then they spend their times with people that have nothing to do with their gifting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, no, and that's the biggest frustration is that you, just like I told you, you got a, a, a kid that loves baseball, but he's hanging around a bunch of guys that are playing soccer. You'll never tap into mentorship that can help you develop you as a baseball player because you're hanging around a bunch of people that are playing soccer, talking soccer, coaching soccer, watching soccer, reading soccer. At the end of the day, you're going to have more knowledge about soccer than you do baseball. Again, get around people that can help you shape and help you find your gift. So if you are gifted to talk in front of a camera, in front of, if you want to be an actor, go to acting classes, get around people that are acting. If you want to write a book, get around people that have written books. If you want to write a script, get around people that have written scripts and begin to walk with them. And don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes mentorship happens organically. Another time you have to step out and really take the step of faith and be willing to be rejected and say, hey, can you mentor me? I need help. You know, and right now we need, listen, not just with gifts. People need to ask for mentorship on how to be fathers, on how to be mothers, on how to be good employees, on how to be good people in society, how to go to church, how to read the Bible, how to pray. Most people don't know how to read the Bible. Most people don't know how to pray. Most people don't even know how to evangelize and, and win people, serve people. Therefore, get around people that have been serving, reading the Bible and, and praying for a long time and ask them, hey, can you mentor me on how to pray? I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't understand the Bible. I, I want to be able to read it, understand it, and get the revelation that everyone is talking about. But again, it's tap into what you're gifted at and get around people that have everything to do with your gift. And I'm telling you, you're going to find more mentors than what you know what to do with them. 
But when I guess we go back to your story, how does one pursue Christ and not let their past continue to stop them or continue to block them from where the Lord is leading them and for the call that the Lord has on their life? Wow, that's a great question. And I want all of your listeners to know one thing. I don't have all the answers and I don't claim to have all the answers. And I think the biggest mistakes uh, that we make as Christians is that we think that we have all the answers and we don't. And I've been around this game for two decades. I've been in the inside. I've been with the greatest preachers. I've been around the greatest authors that write books about leaderships and about relationships and about how to build your faith and three steps to have a, 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 a great faith life. I've been around that. At the end of the day, I just want to make a disclaimer. My answers are not quick answers, are not answers that, oh, I got the answer for that. No, no, no. This is a process that I've taken for 20 years to understand because if one thing that hunted me was my past and how do I, how did I, I've been able to achieve what I have achieved today is because I embraced my past. I didn't run away from my past. I had to accept the fact that my past was dysfunctional. I had to accept the fact that if I discover something about myself, am I still going to love myself enough? If I discover a part of my emotional side of my life, am I, am I going to disqualify myself? My advice to everyone that's listening right now is, first of all, don't think you know it all, number one. Number two, embrace your past, even if it hurts, even if, if it's not comfortable, even if it's not popular, even if, if the pain is so deep that you want to run away from everyone and everything. Or how about this one? If you find out something about your past that you're ashamed of, and you're afraid of what other people are going to think about you, my advice to you is embrace it. There's no one that can disqualify your, your story. Your story is the most powerful tool you have available for you. Your story can change people's lives. Your story can move mountains. Your story is probably the greatest weapon against any adversity of the past. Why? Because it's yours. You own it. And how you decide to embrace it is up to you. And for me, I had to embrace the past and accept the fact that I have been accepted for who I am. The moment you accept, you, you accept yourself for who you are, you're going to find freedom. Freedom to live life, freedom to love God. But most importantly, Jacob, I think when you embrace your past, you will allow God to love you for who you are and not pretend to keep on pleasing God or pleasing people around you in order to gain his love or his acceptance. And I think that's been the problem in, in the Christian community today is that we have taught people how to please God versus how to accept God and embrace God unconditionally. And for me, the way I've been able to make it each and every single day for the last 20 some years is I didn't run away from my past. I embraced it, but I also embraced the fact that God loves me for who I am and he loves me unconditionally. And if people found out who I really was, was I going to be okay with it? Absolutely. You have to find confidence. You have to find that 
drive inside of you to not let yourself be disqualified. Don't let your past disqualify you from your present, from your future, from where you want to go, where you want to be emotionally, physically, spiritually. Embrace your past so you can embrace your now and your future and understand that the greatest tool you have at the end of the day is your story. The most powerful thing you have. We, we live in a 21st century culture that is, that is truly dysfunctional. I mean, we're the most connected generation and yet we're the most disconnected generation, both at the same, in the same sentence. Living for Jesus is tough, you know, whether we've been saved for five years or whether we've been saved for 25 years. You know, in your story and your your walk with Christ and being in the public eye so much, how have you been able to thrive in your relationship with Christ in a culture that is so dysfunctional? Again, another great question. It's how you start your day. It's how you start your day. It prepares you for the rest of the day. And I can only control what I can control from me, how I'm going to respond to people throughout the day, how I'm going to think about you know, political size, how I'm going to think about this cultural issue, this social movement, everything starts by myself alone. Uh, Meaning I take time before I engage with anything else in my life. I engage by thinking, praying, reading God's word, looking at the news, just, just finding a place of solitude and being able to, I know it's going to sound super spiritual, but time to hear from God, you know, and I read a lot, man. I read a lot of books and I can show you, I mean, I'm, this is some of my office here, but I got an office here, an office in my house and every is books everywhere. I didn't have an opportunity to go to school uh, and learn. My learning process was in the streets. I learned to read and write in the streets, but I'm, I read about everything. I read about, you know, EMPs. I read about five steps on how to build your faith. I read about how to become a, a great dad, how to be a great husband. I read everything. The, the key is this, is that has helped me is be kind to everyone, number one. Number two, being able to know who you are in God and then being able to understand that, God's word is going to be the leading cause of your outcome throughout the day. When you learn the Beatitudes, when you learn what the true blessings are, you're not searching for, oh, I want to go get a bigger car and and a a nicer house. You know, those are not true blessings. The true blessings are, are simple things, you know, and being able to just accept who I am and where I am and, and keep working on myself that's how I've been able to make it each and every single day. I make a lot of mistakes, man. And being able to understand one thing is protect your surroundings, protect who you hang around with, because who you hang around with will always shape who you are, how you walk, how you carry yourself. And if you don't protect who you are, who your inner circle is, it can destroy you. And people don't have the best for you they don't want you to succeed they act like they do but the moment you want to start a podcast you realize well how come my friends are not sharing it i thought they were there cheering me on how come they're not you realize very quickly who your true friends are when you're getting ready to go outside of their inner circle meaning if you're the smartest guy in your circle you'll find out who they are quickly 
So my suggestion is that has helped me is keep your circle very close of people that love you, people that believe in you. For me, it's been my wife and my kids. And those people are the reason why I do what I do today. I work in the ministry. I do television. I do all that. But at the end of the day, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a friend. I'm an employee. I'm no greater than the person next to me. I, I'm just blessed that I'm still alive. And I tell you what, the key is stay humble. Walk in humility. Don't ever think that you're bigger than anybody else. Always stay kind. And for me, that's been the key because so many people recognize, so many people want to talk, so many people want your advice, so many people think you have it all together. But at the end of the day, the greatest people you can ever influence is the people's closest to you. And staying focused, the hardest thing is to stay consistent. The other the hardest thing is to stay disciplined. And But if you continue to work at it, uh, you're going to find yourself in a place where you're satisfied and you say, you know what? I did everything I could today to be who I strive to be. And I'm happy. I'm okay with it. I can go to bed knowing that I was kind to people today. Uh, I'm okay that I was, uh, I accepted for who I am. Uh, I'm okay with my past. I'm okay with my future. And, you know, the Bible says be anxious of nothing. And I try to live my life as, as normal as I can. And, but the biggest thing is I, I protect my circle of, of, of who I hang around with. And it's very small. And I want to tell you something that keeps you strength, keeps your strength going forward. Cause I don't need a lot of people. I don't need a cheerleaders and all that cheering me on. I just, as long as I can make my kids proud and my wife proud, that's enough cheering section for me to keep going and allow them to understand that I can't make it without them, you know? I want to thank you. As you've shared your story, I can sense every word that you say, it comes from a place of humbleness. It comes from a place from your story, being able to influence other people, but also remembering that you're still a son and daughter of Christ, that that is your first and foremost, and then your family. And I think that's just a reminder from all of those listening, that we need to remember, you know, who we're following first and foremost. You know, are we following Christ first in our family second, you know, or are we letting social media be our first, above all else? Are we letting that influence our decisions and you know, maybe I shouldn't think this way because this person thinks this way when maybe they're coming from a place of hurt and their response isn't in a healthy way at all. No, you're absolutely right. And, and that's the key is we are called to serve people. We are called to serve each other. We are called to serve God. And then when you discover your gift, it becomes the most magical moment of your life because you use your humility, you use your servanthood to build on the gifts that you have been given. And the people that share their gift are the biggest givers and the biggest unbelievable people that you want to be around with. But also know one thing, watch what you get your advice from. Watch what you get your, 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 how you shape your, your public opinion about certain things because they might come from a hurtful place. And that's not what we're not, we're not trying to do that. Listen, Christianity is being attacked like never before today. There's people in the church today that don't even want to be identified as Christians because they have been hurt by Christians. 
And I get it. And I get it that most people don't want to be identified with the old legalistic religion perspective and view. And I agree with you. But also don't throw away the knowledge and, and, and the foundation of God's word for a social movement that wants nothing to do with God. This is where you separate yourself from the rest and understand God help me be kind to people. Let me have the, the fruit of the spirit. The Bible says, how will we know that we're true Christians? If you have love, if you have kindness, long suffering, if you're meekful and you begin to self-identify, Oh, I don't have that. Oh, I don't have that. Then you realize that's what you work towards. You don't work towards being a public opinion because you'll never gain it. And what happens with Christianity today, the new wave of Christians don't want nothing to do with God because a social movement has told them that the Bible is, is, is hate speech. Is mass, they talk bad about women. They talk about slaves. They talk about, and all of a sudden, they throw away all the knowledge versus research, read educate yourself, find out what does the Bible say for yourself, and then build your opinion on it, build your experience on it. And but don't speak out of hurt, don't speak out of fear, don't don't throw away uh, God's connection and, and relationship. Because that can be the very thing that can save your life. And for me, at the end of the day, religion kills, but relationship builds. And when religion kills, you want to go as far away from it as you can. But when you have an encounter in a personal relationship with Christ, you don't look back. And I can tell you right now, what saved my life is to have a personal relationship with Christ every single day. When no one wanted to be around me, when I didn't know where else to go, I didn't know what I was going to do as a Christian. I don't know. Listen, I never held a job ever. I've never had a regular job. I went from being on, 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 in the gang world, making my money there, and then I got saved, and I went into ministry immediately, and I've been serving ministry by faith ever since. And I can tell you one thing, it's never about money. It's about finding your connection and your personal relationship with Christ that will change everything, everything. And your personal relationship with Christ will change your view on a lot of things. It will change the way you carry yourself, the way you think emotionally, you can begin to heal. Because again, at the end of the day, the only thing we can take to heaven is our relationships. I just want to thank you as we close here for taking some time to be able to share with us your story, your passion, you know, where the Lord is leading you now. And I think it's a good reminder for not just college students, not even just millennials, not even people. I think it's just a conversation for all humanity right now and all of the church that we all need to continue to build relationships and continue to chase after Jesus first and foremost. And just thank you for, uh, for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate you, man. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you for taking this step to be a voice out there for our generation, for the next generation, and for willing to talk about the issues that we deal with every single day and for inspiring all of us. Because again, I want to remind people the greatest gift and the greatest tool we have is our story. And if we can share each other's stories at the end of the day, we're going to find the key to what life is all about. And I'm so proud of you. 
thank you for the invitation. I'm honored and I wish you, wish you, wish you much success and keep doing it, man. Take it as far as you can and don't give up on hard days. Don't give up if you don't see the, the results that you were expecting in the beginning. It's all about hard work, discipline, and this one right here, consistency. Stay consistent, my friend. That's been the key as well for my life is staying consistent every single day, day, day in and day out. That's how I've been able to be able to fulfill what I've been called to do. And, and today I have my own television program on the PTL network that is airing in millions of homes, uh, of course, on the Internet as well. But, you know, it's, it went from being an Internet program to now on, on television, Comcast networks and all that stuff. But it's because it's been the consistency and the discipline. When no one else wanted to show up, I showed up. When no one else wanted to do it, I did it. When no one else wanted to be Jim Baker's friend, I, I became Jim Baker's friend to the point where today he's my father, he's my mentor. And listen, consistency can change the trajectory of the future of your life. And I just, uh, I wish you the very best. And again, when no one wants to show up, you show up, my friend. We want to hear from you. For those listening, that is Mondo De La Vega. He is the host of The Mondo Show. You guys should check him out. He's on social media under Mondo De La Vega, um, Facebook, Instagram. You, I love hearing his perspectives and his just heart for the Lord. For those listening, you know, make sure you uh, check him out. And um, love you all. Have a good one.